How's it going, everyone? Panathinaikos fans. Uh, we're back with the American crew. Uh, no Adoni today, so I got myself and I got Alki here. He's back after not being with us uh, last time. How's it going, Alki? Uh, it's going good. It's been a little while, but yeah, I'm happy to be back. Got a lot to cover. Exciting stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, so as per usual, we're going to go, we're going to start with the football club. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the first thing that we have to talk about is Olympiacos. Uh, on Wednesday, we had, uh, after that, Asteras in the league. Uh, we're going to talk about the signings because there was a lot of signings that went down in just a few days, really. Uh, so we'll touch on that. And then we will look forward to the cup draw uh, that we have on Wednesday and Pauk Derby next weekend. And then after all the football stuff, we'll go to the BC a little bit. So let's jump right into it. Uh, Olympiacos, big draw, big win, really. <laughs> uh, so the game was, you know, it ended nil-nil. Um, no away goals uh, on aggregate in the Greek Cup anymore. So the 1-1 from the first leg didn't, you know, particularly matter. A draw was a draw in this one, and that took us to extra time. Uh, there was no, no goal in extra time either. So then we went to penalties, of course, and... We edged them. I think it was six, seven, six on penalties. Alki, tell me your thoughts about the game. I mean, there's there's a lot to dissect from it. I'm curious, and maybe this will be a question for the fans and the listeners. Do do we like the new rule of uh, the aggregate score with like the no away goals? Like, do we like the current format, and do we miss the old one? Um, maybe curious to even ask you, Alex, because I know we went so many years with the whole aggregate and like that made a big difference in like tactics, I think, for the second draw, depending on who's up on it and who's even down. It kind of could change the way games go versus now it's like it's the same as the first game. So um, I guess I can ask you that first before you even get into like the nitty gritty of what happened. Yeah, Um. I mean. You know, the short answer is like, you know, the most recent situation benefited us from not being, they're not being uh, the traditional away goal aggregate rule. So it's it's hard to be like, oh, I don't like it because obviously we just <laughs> benefited from it. But that doesn't mean, you know, there's going to be times where you benefit from it. There's going to be times where you are on the opposite end. So it's not, it's not really like that. But in, in general, I think just the way the sport is, the state of the sport now, I think that most leagues and competitions are moving away from the away goal rule. Like obviously they don't use it in the champions league anymore. Uh, right. Right. You know, in England, they don't really have two legged cup fixtures. It's only one leg for the most part, I think, but yeah, in general, in European football, it's not, it's becoming less and less a thing to the point where I think it's just going to be completely scrapped the aggregate away rule. So I, I to answer your question. I do. I do like it just to keep, just to keep in the same line with the rest of the sport in, you know, the uh, the continent and the world. Yeah, I think I think I like it personally just because it keeps a level playing field. Like you said, it could work both to or against your advantage. Um, it's just I I know we've seen so many people complain like you know if you're up in the way goal the first leg like you're visiting someone you get two goals on them come back it's like people they sit and park the bus they kind of just play non-football football as they call it so I was just kind of curious maybe you know listeners let us know your thoughts but um, you know also just just to add on it also leads to more extra times uh the the away goal rule true. kind of 
not disincentivized, but just be inherently led to less extra time. So as a neutral, like, uh, of course, we weren't a neutral in, you know, the, the cup match that happened on Wednesday. But, for example, the the Addis and Ike, uh, the cup tie, that also went to extra time for basically the same the same reason that ours did. Uh, and if there was an away goal rule, Ike would have gone through. So, yeah, in general, this new no aggregate away goal rule is more uh, inducive to uh, conducive to uh, leading to extra time, which as a neutral is always a good thing, I guess. Yeah, it's good from a watch standpoint, but I'm glad you brought that up because for us as Bao fans, we saw it today even, or at least I think it has a big part in, you know, we're already depleted as far as it is injuries. Um, we kind of talked about in the chat, like the guys just got done playing 120 minutes plus penalties, you know, super emotional game. Like I think it came down to just that one, the next person is going to miss one and that ended up being us. But like we saw like verbiage today, you know, he was teetering off toward the end of that Olivia Costa and today he went down injured in the first, I don't know, what was it, 30, 40 minutes? Yeah. Um, so it kind of plays into that. Um, but as far as like the Olivia Costa match as a whole, um, I don't know. It, it was tough to watch. Just both sides weren't really creating too much, I think. Um, but then it got down to penalties, you know, all the extra time. We deployed just because of, like I just mentioned a second ago, depth. We got in our new Turkish center back in. Terim had to freaking throw him in as a center forward, um, which is just like so. I mean, we've gotten to the point of Kotsiras is playing everywhere. You know, he's been the butt of joke for so many seasons, but he's like just such a workhorse and been one of the more stable guys. Arao is playing center back when he's naturally center mid. We've got center back playing center forward. So it's just like in the grand scheme of things, all things considered and coming away with a win, just a win in general in the cup is huge and a sigh of relief, but a win against our eternal enemy, you know, the heightened emotion of it. Um, it was, it was a great win, but um, it was, it was definitely like we all talked about like heart in your throat, just kind of, can't breathe every second that went by you know they Olympiacos missed a lot of chance that we're just like man we should be down and then second half turned it around um it seems like we're we've slowly become a second half team with under Terim as in general I just saw in today's game but um I don't know it was a it was a weird weird choppy game back and forth against Olympia. yeah yeah, and I, I like that you brought up the like a tale to have thing because, and we could talk about this once we get to Asteras also, but it 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 is starting to seem like it's becoming a trend. Uh, I think in both Olympiacos games we kind of saw that we were better one half yep. than the other. Uh, Asteras today also, Ike uh, also. I think we had a little bit of you know tale of two halves kind of thing. Really, the only games that we didn't have that was maybe the first two games where they, they were against easier opponents, but even in that one. Even in the first one that was uh, against, who was it, Bas, Bas Yanina. Yeah. Uh, we were really strong in the first half, and then we kind of... Teetered know, off in the second, we flipped. Teetered off in the second, yeah. So it, that hit, that has been something that's that's been uh, a pattern under Tareem. So that's, that's an interesting thing to watch. Um, but yeah, there was not, you know, you like you said it yourself, there were chances for both sides. Um, I think... If I remember correctly, I think in in the second leg, I I felt like we were maybe better the first half, and they took over the second half. I remember mm -hmm. I could be wrong, but I remember at half thinking like, yeah, we could have definitely been up at least one nil, maybe. Um, yeah, we did have some decent chances. Chances for our had 
probably the biggest chance of the first half. It was that header that was right at Pascal. That was a good Lackey's. save. Yeah. Pascal Lackey did make a good save. It was kind of right at him, but it was still right. low. So he had to get to extend and it was from pretty close range. So, you know, good on him and good on Spore to, to, to make that chance. It didn't seem like it was going to be much out of that, but he, he made the most out of it. Um, right. But yeah, we, we did have a couple of those like classic chances in the first half that we didn't capitalize on. Then Olympiacos kind of took it to us in the second half. Um, but then I think you know. we flip-flopped again in extra time. Like the first extra time we were good in the first few minutes and then we teared off and then Olympiacos came. Like, you know, it's tired legs too. Um, That's completely understandable. Yeah, It's, it's a back it's, and it's, forth it, game constantly, uh, unfortunately, with that. so all All in all, I think a draw in 90 minutes was probably the the fair result maybe we were a little better i don't know I, you know yeah. i've seen a lot of a lot of people talk about nothing it, to write I, home about basically <laughs> nothing to write home about i think if that was just like a, a league game and the teams left with a point each we'd probably both be like all right that's how it should have been like right. you said also then an extra time it was all over the place i mean extra time was a was a wild card because i mean we ended we ended up playing uh, you know, like you said, Akaidin center forward in his debut with us. Uh, we ended the 120 minutes, and I'm, I didn't fact check myself on this, but out of memory, we ended the 120 minutes with only one attacking player on the pitch. I think Aitor was the only attacking-minded player on the pitch. Everyone else was either a center mid, sorry, a midfielder or a defender. Um, we had Akaidin at center forward, like we said. Aitor was on the right. On the left, we had, like, I guess it was, um, uh, what's his name? Mladenovic. And then our midfield was yeah, that's a, right, bunch of, that's right. a bunch of CDMs, basically. We had, like, three center backs or four center backs on the pitch. It was, it was, it was all over the place. Um, so, you know, we were not, I wouldn't say we were clutching, we were hanging on by a thread, but they were they were looking pretty dangerous towards the end of the 120 minutes and you know if it had, if it had gone five or they had some pretty good chances too to be fair to them in in that in those final minutes and they could have stolen a win from us uh late but you know that's the right because yeah, again we that was one of his better performances yeah the team did show grit and everything and despite being tired and playing players out of position to the extreme you know they hung in there and I don't know what else you could have asked for them. Like at, at one point, you know, probably at the start of the second half of overtime, you're thinking like, okay, we, we, we got to get the penalties at this point because, you know, we're playing our strike, uh, our center back at striker and stuff like that, which to be fair to Tareem, I don't think is a completely stupid thing to do because I mean, I, I did a fact check for you. So yep. our attack, Sporar, Bernard, Mancini, Verbich. The this subs that were made, the yeah. this, these okay. were the starters. Yeah. On the bench, we had Perez, Zeka, Modenovic, Aitor, Bart, uh, Akaidin, and then Fikai and our backup keeper, Kiriopoulos, sorry, uh, was listed in there uh, as an attacker, but I mean, I think he's from the youth team. So our bench really consisted of just defensive midfielders and defense as it is. I thought it was the only attacking option off the bench to begin with. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it does check out. Yeah, our because the only defender that we subbed out was Juan Car because, you know, he got tired or I think he got injured toward the end. But really, we feel that a team of midfielders or defense and back yep. and, you know, 
that he had to do what he had to do, unfortunately. But yeah, to your point, like that's just how down we are with just our roster injuries, everything. And um, pulling out that win, especially going to penalties is one thing, but going to penalties with defenders who traditionally aren't known to be savvy for scoring in general, let alone from the spot. Um, I mean, there were a couple times like Arau's, like made my heart drop when it hit the post. I thought I was going to bounce out and it stayed in and he was so yeah. confident. Like, um, I mean, the football itself was kind of just whatever. Like we said, nothing to write home about. Nobody dominated. It was pretty even, like we said, back and forth. Um, but from a neutral standpoint, I think if you stuck around, watch extra time and then went to penalties, like even us hating the enemy as much as we can, like um, obviously we're, I'm ecstatic and blown away for the outcome but um it was just still a good i think just considering all the circumstances that was a good outcome um all things considered yeah and this is this is a nice segue to something i wanted to bring up i believe it was nick who said it in our in our chat he said that this game was a win for greek football and i couldn't agree more uh you know from all perspectives first and foremost the refereeing was excellent um there was no controversy. There were essentially no missed calls. No, no one screaming for penalties here or there rare, from either side. Rare, rare, rare instance. <laughs> you know, it was just it was just really nice to see just a holistic, just non whether you want to call it bias or whatever, just refereeing yep. performance. Um, so there, that was a huge plus. And like, if we could somehow get more of that into Greek football and the Greek league. Absolutely. You know, I, it, it would do it would do wonders for for fans and the teams, I think, and the fandom in general. So there was the refereeing, um, you know, yeah, that the, goes like, a long way. We've seen a few games, even that same week in the Addis Ike game and even games within the week prior, our game against Ike, like the guys covered. I mean, the refereeing lately has just been. For a lot of different teams, it's not just like yeah. one team is getting. Yeah. I mean, no, I, absolutely. I know, know Olympiacos fans are like kind of, you know making their voices heard about the refereeing and they feel like it's really targeting them recently. And, you know, we, that's not what we're here for to talk about, but I think in general, a lot of teams have, uh, you know, been the butt of poor refereeing, whether it's Greek refs or uh, foreign refs. Exactly. So that was really refreshing to see. Like we covered both teams had their chances, you know, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't any game that was going to end two, two, so it, it was a low-scoring affair, obviously no goals, but still teams had chances. So it was a very balanced game in general. There was obviously no crowd trouble, which is obviously going to come, going to be a result of there being no fans. But just yeah. all of these things in general, good refereeing, no violence, both teams having chances, really good to see. That's what I think is a, a win for Greek football. And also, like we were talking about, the penalties were – were actually very good penalties. We were worried about the penalty shootout because we had, you know, all mostly defensive minded players on the field. But in the end, not only did we win the shootout, which is nice, but, you know, out of the, I think it was 16, it, it was 16 penalties that were shot eight and eight on each side, uh, 15 went in, which is a, a pretty good, pretty good ratio. And there were well taken penalties too. a lot yeah, of like the placement upper... of them top yeah. corner, like top bins. I'm like, this is something I'd watch in like a Euro world cup. Like who are these yeah. guys? <laughs> yeah. So like very, very like, you know, just good from both sides and just nice to see, especially like, again, we're not neutrals, but just nice to see if you are a neutral and good for the sport and a good, good showcase, I think in general. So that was nice to see. Um, 
yeah in terms like in terms of specifics from for, from the shootout uh we are matching each other went four four then we missed our fifth one i think it was and yep. they had a chance to put it away with their fifth one um Mladenovic missed ours who missed theirs i don't remember it was uh ortega maybe i don't remember uh, Carvalho, Carvalho, I think it was Carvalho. Yep, um, it was. And then, of course, Camara at the end. Um, but yeah, I mean, shout got... out to keepers. They saved both misses. I mean, Moldenovic, same placement, same thing as like the last time he had a freaking so stupid penalty. Um, and and very I said, frustrating. I, I said this in the moment. Like you, you know, you know that all of Greece saw his goal against Marseille, his penalty versus Marseille. You know that opposing keepers in Greece saw the saw the penalty. Yep. Oops. Oh. That's all right. Um, so I mean, I'm yeah, back. that that was frustrating to see just because like I mean, I don't know. I, I they say, you know, they always play the odds like, you know, left footed goes to their right, obviously for the keeper left, like I think it's like sixty or seventy percent of shots. Um, or if like there's a certain player, like you see their pattern, like they always go almost the same side all the time if they're especially if they're not consistent penalty takers. So Maldonovich, I bet you eight times out of ten is going to go to that same spot just because he doesn't usually take him, and that's what he feels comfortable with. But um, regardless, that was annoying to see because it was so predictable from our side. We knew it, uh, and it wasn't even really good hit penalty. So like the save no, like was chest, like chest height, like you're making yeah. it very savable, not a good penalty. Again, so we're not like the next the one, world. the follow up. Well, yeah, we're not asking the world of them. Just like make a penalty. Like we know yeah. penalties aren't easy. <laughs> just hit, but... hit it down the middle if you're not. If you're not I mean, gonna, seeing yeah. that quality level of a penalty he took, like set up, like I was, I was like, it's over. When Logan, not not anything against him, it's just when he stepped up, like penalty saves are like a dime a dozen, you know. So I'm like, man, that that hurt us right there. And then Logan stepped up and saved the next one. I'm like, oh my god, we're still in this. Um, yeah, I was, I was, I was shit myself too. I mean, again, nothing against yeah. Ladigan, but the, the odds are not are not on your side at that point. Like, yeah. it, it, like you said, like we get, we get, you know, you can look at the statistics of made penalties versus missed penalties. But if you're banking on, you know, the game winning penalty being missed, yeah, the odds are not your not on your side. But they were at that at that moment. So what can, what can you say? And we took advantage of of the the football god shining on us there, and we went on to. <laughs> To, to to score a couple more and we beat him seven six uh yep. madi kamara was the unfortunate man for them uh who skied over the bar and we're still looking for the ball but uh <laughs> oh man that was that was you want to talk about bad penalty at maldenovich passion uh, but yeah i uh, just i don't know i don't i'll never understand how anyone can just over hit a penalty because you know, you're right there and close, but that's another different topic for a different day. Anyway, so we we ended up getting the win on penalties, which was huge. We were, I'm sure we were all ecstatic. I was over the moon. Um, and then we have a date with Atromitos uh, in the next round of the cup. This is the quarterfinals round of uh, eight. Yep. Uh, and we'll get to that later when we do a little preview of what's down the road, but that's just what's next in the cup for us. Uh, anything else you want to say about um, Olympiacos, specifically, Alki? <laughs> uh, no, nothing specific. Just, you know, to try to play devil's advocate, be from a neutral standpoint, you know, hopefully this doesn't really impact their coaching. I mean, it always works to everyone's advantage, but 
just they've got some stuff going on over there and yeah. just constant turning and it's just the 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 circus of revolving door of Greek football continues. Yeah. But he's yeah, on no. he's on the hot seat. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, they've been bringing in a lot of his players, you know, a lot of Portuguese players, but we'll see how that works out for him because you know, like we keep saying revolving door. So if he goes out, a lot of those signings might kind of be pointless. But yeah. One last thing I wanted to bring up before we move on from Olympiacos is that now I think this is after the Aceras game. Now it's six games in with uh, Patik Tarim, and it's been three derbies in those six games, two against Olympiacos, one against Ajax. Uh, we're winless in those three derbies, but we're also undefeated. So we do have three draws in those derbies. Um, and again, there was a little bit of controversy in the Ajax game, but you know, refereeing aside, what do you make of the fact that you know he didn't win any of those three games against against uh you know I can but he also didn't lose any of those three games. I mean I was gonna kind of touch on this after the Asteras preview just as a whole what he's done since he's come in, but on the topic specifically about Darby's, um you know as a whole I'm not disappointed with Terry at all you know he's coming on short notice limited you know resources injuries everything aside and he's still getting results um we kind of talked about it and seen like a different a very slight different culture change in the players in the sense of like their on-field play um but for Darby specifically it's I don't know I'm kind of 50 50 on it it's it's a little refreshing just because that's kind of been a big um flaw of ours under Jovanovic in the past. You know, the first year he came in Bologna, he was flawless in derbies. Everyone's happy about that. Jovanovic came in his first year and we were pretty good. And then it kind of flipped and we haven't been good at all. You know, any other game we were good, but derbies with Jovanovic was kind of like our our Achilles crush. Heel. Yeah, our Achilles heel. Yeah. Um so seeing Terim come in and at least get a result um has been refreshing to that extent um i'm curious to see more how it goes long term um and yeah. obviously with a full squad um but that being said you know you got to take it for what it is now uh and as of right now i can't really complain at all controversy aside you know we've seen we've seen this team and the coach make the necessary changes to adjust uh and that's just been the most refreshing thing you know tactics he's adjust second half making the right subs at the right times uh, formation change, you know, doing anything he can to really get a result, as we saw with Olympiacos game and um, even with the Ike game, um, you know, he's it's always, you know, start slow with the players, and that's kind of understandable with the new coach. We even saw it in today's game, which we'll touch base in a little bit, but um, they're adjusting, they're responding positively. And so I, I really can't, you know, complain on that, really. You know, right. it's, it's He's responding, and that's all we need from him and from the players. Well said. Yeah, I think you said it pretty well. Um, it's hard. It's it's a weird one because, like, like I've emphasized, it's hard to you know judge critique someone when they haven't lost any of those games, but also he hasn't won any of those games. So it's kind of like you're right in the middle, and draws are you know not the worst thing, but it's more so coming off of a spell where we've you know not like you said not been extremely effective in derbies. We've kind of hoped that Tareem was going to elevate us in derbies. And I'm not saying that's that, that hope is gone because, like you pointed out yourself, it's a weird 
part of the season that we're in where we're playing a lot of derbies back to back. We have a lot of injuries. So there's no critique on him in that sense. Um, and I think I still think there's plenty of uh, room to improve in the derbies and hopefully it does go in the in the right direction. And we'll see again. We have Pauk soon and then we a quick turnaround and we still have Olympiacos uh, pretty recent, uh, pretty near in the future, I think early February. And then we also have uh, Aris like mid February. So we we have some derbies that he's going to, you know, be able to show his worth in uh very soon. So, yeah, I think that is it in terms of um Olbacos. Uh so let's go to I think the Asteras game. So we played Asteras today in the league. Um we beat them 2-0. Uh it was a scoreless first half. We opened the scoring in the 50th minute. It was Aitor from a Mancini cross. Uh, Aitor, uh, Mancini crossed it. It kind of missed Sporar, who was kind of in the middle uh, of the box, pretty close to the goal. And it went all the way to Aitor, who was far post. And he, you know, it was a weakish, weakish shot, but well-placed. Um, passed the goalie to the goalie's left, our right. Um, so that was one nil at, in the 50th minute. And then we doubled the lead in the 74th minute with, uh, Yedvai this time from a, I tore across from the left side, uh, and Yedvai found it with his head and actually very nice header. He put it to, again, the goalies left. Um, yeah, well, well taken, well, you know, good cross and well taken header, uh, no complaints there. And that was basically more or less the. Uh, noteworthy events of the game. They did get a second yellow in the 90th minute. Um, they had that red, but that you know didn't really affect the game. The game was done and dusted by then, so they yeah. did finish the, the 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 match with 10 men. But uh, yeah, that's that's what happened. Uh, Scoreline wise, again, Alki, what did you see yourself in this match? A little bit of like two opposite things we've been seeing. All season, last few games, Aitor since he's come back has just kind of been like a roller coaster, man. There's been a lot of times, multiple games around where we're just like, man, at post injury, he's just he's not the same guy anymore. Um, and then there's games like today where he was like really the only, I'd say, difference maker in a sense of like our offense. Um, unfortunately, you know, Anidis has been out the last few games, and we've noticed. And I think stats prove it, obviously, but either when he's not on it or when he's just not on period, like not playing, um, our offense just stagnates and struggles a lot. Um, and I feel like we saw that with Asteros game today up until I think like that goal where, um, you know, we had tons of possession and just nothing to show for it. Like we just didn't really produce anything. Um, Asteros really got us on a couple counters where they should have um scored a couple goals like there's no like if this was like an Ike or a Pauk I I'd imagine we would have been down 2-0 um and that's just kind of I think to just the level of play plus a little bit of luck on our side I mean Lodigan had a couple weird moments um our defense on a couple counters were just like struggling Maldenovic again he's like a wing back so I get it but at the same time just leaving guys wide open um it was a it was a tough game we i think the second half we definitely turned around but i kind kind of to the point of the trend that we keep seeing that 
you know, first 15, 20 minutes of our games, we see our team kind of struggling to kind of really get into whatever rhythm Tareem is trying to um, bring into the squad. And then it just kind of, like I said, tail two halves, like second half is where we really turned it on. But, you know, I guess maybe that's his way of approaching the game. I don't know. What are your thoughts? It seems like they take kind of the cautious approach, kind of feel out the poem and then really just get into it once, you know, things pick up. But that yeah. to me, that's kind of a concerning thing, really. Yeah, and that's that's a bigger idea that we could talk about, you know, uh, in itself. But yeah, you, you you said it well. Again, the first half was actually pretty poor, in my opinion. Not just bad, but it might have been one of the worst halves we've had under Tareem uh, up until this point. Um, yeah, so the first half was very concerning. The early struggles are concerning. Um, what 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 I noticed, and you you did a you you mentioned it to yourself, is that yes, we did have the share of possession. You know, it was at many times like seventy thirty, or you know, it was never lower than like sixty five thirty five. I think. Right. Um, so we did have the share of possession. We even had the share of shots. Like we had eighteen shots in the whole game. Only six of those were on target. Stats are a decent you know thing to look at. They're not the whole story, but you know, if you told me after watching that game that we had 18 shots, I was shocked when I saw that. I was like, no, we we definitely did not have more than 10 shots. It didn't yeah. feel like we had a lot of shots. We weren't producing attacks that had uh, particular quality, which exactly. is one thing, which is one thing I noticed specifically after the very first Tareem game against Pass, uh, you know, in the beginning of January, we, I think we won that one 2-0 and we didn't have a lot of chances there either i think we had only 10 or 12 shots but the the shots and the chances that we are creating were of high quality and it felt like we were going to score on every single one or every other one something like that and today was completely not the case you know we were producing these half chances um not very clinical um we resorted kind of into a um a more playing style that I feel we were using under Jovanovic and I don't want it to become a Tareem versus Jovanovic, but I noticed <laughs> that we were playing a lot more on the wing today, something that we are doing a lot under Jovanovic and something that I noticed we started doing less under Tareem and it was working yeah. for us under Tareem, not playing so much on the wing. But today we kind of resorted back to that. I think Mladenovic had like 20 crosses himself just in the first half. Um, something insane like that. I, we it just felt like honestly every attack going forward we were feeding it to the wings and it just was cross and hope yeah you know Sterk pointed that out actually a very good point when when i talked about you know there's between like fotis and sporad and i think he's going to really touch base on this and write something up but obviously we know fotis isn't the traditional target number nine you know he's more of a center forward but he gets involved more so that helps open up our play versus sporad is really just a target man so Fotis, we can work with him and through him rather than with Sporad. It has the the service has to come from the wings. He's not going to come up and carry the ball and be involved in the buildup, whereas Fotis is. And and we saw that today. I mean, him and Bernard, for every good thing they do, they just relinquish it with two or three bad mistakes. You know, Bernard had a couple where like you know. He's very quick on his feet and agile, and he cuts past the man. And it's like, okay, he's on to a chance, and then he takes a shot that just goes, who knows where it goes. Uh, and a lot of those shots were like that today, just bad quality shots, like you said. And Sporard, he gets into such great positions and then just fucks it all up with just a bad non-clinical finish, like you said. He's just not clinical. And 
I mean, even Fotis has those doubts, and I think that's something obviously we can touch base later. But I, I think that's just, you know, that's yeah. a, a a bad thing for us, especially when we're down so many guys. Like whoever's out there on offense, like that's all we have for offense. Just like we talked about with Olibiakos game today, I thought had to come on just because Verbich, poor guy, went down with an injury. But I thought is really our only offensive sub off the bench. So if any, if our offense isn't going at all, like there's not much Tareem can really do. It's kind of just from there other than like make his guys, you know, play better because he doesn't have options off the bench. Um, yeah. And it's, I yeah, think... it falls back into those old ways we saw under Jovanovic, like you said, and just going through the wings is fine. But if you're not producing anything, then it becomes a problem. And because that's our really our only options we have. I think you brought up, brought up a really good point about who is the recipient of those crosses. And yes, the difference uh today between other games under Tareem is that yes we had Fotis in up top and it having Fotis up top allows us to play less crossing heavy we could play through the middle like you said he can come back uh play with his back to goal while if we have Spar yeah we we kind of not we don't have other options other than crosses but yeah we're more likely to resort to that kind of build up play because of just how it how it favors the uh the striker or not um Anything else to talk about Asteras? They had their, they had a, you know, a fair amount of chances themselves, either because of our incompetence or they just were, you know, they came out feeling good today. But and, and to be fair to them, they are six in the standings. They're they're the the first team behind the top five. Uh, so they're no they're no pushover. And we've had, you know, historically we do have troubles with Asteras, regardless yep. of who's our coach. So all they're this always a. They're always a tough opponent. I was looking at the stats earlier today that they are, you know, Aris or they are closer to each other than Aris is getting up to like fourth with Olibiakos. So like Aris could really, if they're not careful, drop down themselves. I mean, they lost today. Uh, Asteras, had they finished any of their chances today, we'd be talking a draw or they might have stolen some points. And, you know, they they would be closer to climbing up into the top four than Aris. So, yeah, Asteras is just, they're always a tricky opponent because they always have, you know, a good group of, pretty quality players for the Greek league. Yeah. So not the, these types of wins, you know, we don't take them for granted, of course, whether it's home or away, you gotta, right. you gotta beat everyone, but especially these teams like Asteras and, you know, all three who are kind of just very pesky opponents. Yeah. Um, you, you got, you got to put them away. So we did our job today, even if it wasn't maybe the prettiest. Um, I think one thing that we kind of need to talk about, and we could talk about this now or later is the injuries. And the reason I I'm bringing this up now is because we did have two more guys, you know, unfortunately go down in this game. You mentioned Verbich. Uh, he had to go off in the first half after about 30, 30 ish minutes. Then Sporar had to get subbed off himself. Um, so that's, you know, the, the injury situation is not new. It's been going on for weeks, but now we had two more guys. And like you pointed out, not just two more guys, but two more attacking options. And now we're really just left with, I tore at the current moment. We don't know how long Verbich and Spoar will be out or the severity of their yeah, injury. Yeah, Spoar's injury looked kind of bad, it too. It looked bad, yeah. I, I did, don't, yeah. not like, not bad in the sense of like his injury itself, the way it happened. It's just, you could tell, like, it didn't look like anything happened too much on the field, but he grabbed it and couldn't walk or finish that, you know, wasn't. Verbich, unfortunately, looks like just fitness. I mean, he, they both played heavy minutes against Olympiacosos. It only, unfortunately, seems natural. But Sporar looked like it might have been like a knee twist or something that could put him out for quite some time. And 
you know, Fortis is already out. Uh, we don't know what's going on with Jerem Jeff. Bilal from the younger group isn't being called up. So we really don't have any options at the striker position. At currently, this currently, if because we have a quick turnaround to Wednesday, um, uh, let's save that for the for the preview, actually. But, yeah, I just I just wanted to bring up the injuries here because of, you know, what happened and losing two more guys. But they even at one point they panned uh, to the stands where a bunch of our injuries were sitting. Our injured guys were sitting. It was like Juan Carr, Juricic, Charin. Milena, like they Milena, were all sitting together. Like it could be half like, of a starting like, eleven. No, a whole starting eleven. Forget it. A whole starting yeah. eleven. Like it's it's, it's cra- especially with the, the 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 two guys who went down today. Like it could easily be a starting eleven. So yeah, I don't know. Do you do you, do you make like what do you make like why is it just a bad coincidence? Is it bad luck? Is it like is there can you explain it in any way? I don't think it's injuries? explainable. I, I think it's a combination of a lot of little things. You know, this is we made a pretty good frustrating run in europe this year um so that congested the schedule a little bit even with jovanovic but um i think even now i think a lot of it has to do with we saw terry munder's first couple games like he wants high pressing fast football like he doesn't want guys carrying the ball around like we would under jovanovic kind of like perez is in the back kind of looking for a pass with four five like he wants it boom 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 um which is great but we talked about in the beginning when we first got him, like, do we have the personnel for this? Um, do we have the fitness for these guys? You know, even though they're professionals, like they're playing the Greek league is not a top tier league. So obviously we're not attracting players, you know, that are going to be of the highest quality. Um, again, schedule congestion. We're not in Europe, but now it's a game every what, two or three days, you know, for guys, especially like a game um, against Olympiacos, when we play 120 minutes penalties, then, the guys really only have, yeah, they had, what, two or three days to rest. But in between the resting, they're still training, prepping for today's game. Um, so it's just, it, it's a lot of miles they're putting on their body on top of we're already limited. So there's going to be guys that are going out having to play 90 minutes every two days uh, just because we don't have a backup. So I think that has to do with it. It could be our uh, our fitness staff medical staff um i mean i think it's just a lot plays into it. it could be bad luck like you said just like cloud hanging over our head who knows for what reason um and that's why the results kind of just are so much more appreciative i think given everything that's been happening um still staying within the top two shot at the title as of right now um yeah it's i don't know it's kind of hard to explain. I think I think the most likely explanation is, like you said, overexhaustion, overworking, uh, especially in a situation where, again, like you said, one twenty minutes on Wednesday, quick turnaround Sunday. You know, Spar played something like basically almost two hundred minutes between those two games. That's that's pretty that's pretty insane. Um, and you see you see patterns too. Like when look at when Forti got injured a week or so ago or two weeks ago. Like it was after a spell where he was playing not 90 minutes, but playing 70 minutes each game, two games a week. Then you got training in, in between, like obviously over, over, overworked. Uh, he definitely needed a break at that point. Uh, I think there was, I don't remember which game it might've been the, um, the Panetolikos game that he got injured. And I was like, this could be a good, good game for Spar, maybe to get a start give a break to Poti, but 
now Tareem ran 40 out, not blaming Tareem because Forte has been, you know, our go-to guy. But again, even if you have a go-to guy and you're just running him out there every week, sometimes twice a week, yeah, it, what's going to happen? It, eventually it's going to, you know, not for certain, but eventually it could at least end in, in, in a knock. And that's what happened with Forte. That's what happened with Sporar. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's just a trend where, yeah, you overwork someone, you're at least increasing the chances that he can get injured. Um, so yes, overworking is, is definitely uh, a culprit. I also think, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to call out the, you know, the training staff too much, but I'm thinking back that these injuries have kind of been a problem, not just this year, but back to last year too. And the only common thread between that, it would be like, okay, some of the players are the same. Uh, a lot of the players are the same, but you know, we, we've had even even last January this time we were in panic mode that we didn't have enough wingers we didn't have enough attacking players um the injury thing is not basically what I'm what I'm resulting at the injury thing is not a, a four-month-old thing a six-month-old thing it's it's no, a year it's definitely long a pattern it's- and like I said it, I think some of it might have to play with that I mean being just a football fan in general but my other team I follow a lot is Dortmund and they've just been injury year after injury year and you know it's still happening this year but i think last year they decided to change uh their fitness staff medical staff everything and it seems like that's helped obviously guys still get injured it's part of the game but um it seems like it's happened a lot less than what we were used to and like you said i think because this has been around since last season and maybe even the season before when he won the cup yeah. Um, when I, I thought was, you know, he was a, and he still could be still finding his feet, but like nothing against him, but we just never expected him of all people to just be like our game changing players, high score, that, that guy, the, the it guy, um, considering the, the roster wasn't too drastically different other than like obviously midfield and defense, but like our attack has been more or less pretty similar um and so it's been happening even for the last like we said two or three seasons bart injured again this year last season the season before like so some of the guys that consistently get injured we can say yeah it's them but then you got to start looking is it really them if we haven't changed staffing so that that might be a big factor too honestly i'm completely with you yeah spot on um so that's more or less it for our status unless you have something else alki uh, after the status match, we're uh, still top of the table with Pauk. I think we're both on 44 points. Um, yes, we're both on 44 points. Pauk at the current moment has a tie break against us if it were to end today because they – or actually, no, they don't have the tie break against us. Oh, they have the we, – we have – no one has a tie break because we drew our only, our only match. And then yeah. it goes to goal difference, which they have a four goal difference better than us. That was if it if it if it was to end today. Obviously, we have Pauk next week. Um, that could change things. But yes, we're tied with Pauk at forty four, and then Ajax at forty two, Olympiakos at thirty eight. So six points behind us, and then okay, it's Adis at thirty and Asteras at twenty six. Uh, so still top. Um. I guess we can move on to the signings then because there's been, like we said, a lot of uh, signing situations going on even since Wednesday. Uh, just to recap everything that's happened in the window, our first <laughs> signing was uh, Limnios. 
then we got the center back from Turkey, Akaidin. Uh, and then those were kind of the first ones that happened. And then since Wednesday, we've had an influx of players, including, again, some of these are not uh, signed Official. on paper yet. Yeah, signed on paper yet. But everything seems like all of these guys will be dressed in green sooner rather than later. Bacasetas, which is massive, uh, ethnic key captain, uh, midfielders, attacking midfielder. Something we uh, need, like a 10. We've been talking about it. Traditional 10, like I said, Greek, that's big. Uh, you know, pedigree, quality player, has played in Turkey for years, has proved himself. Uh, then we have Dragowski, who's coming in as our... Uh, Backup goalkeeper. We could we'll dis- we could discuss backup or not. That's an interesting conversation. But at least he's a goalkeeper option, given what's going on with what's what's happened with Brignoli. Then we signed Vitor Hugo from uh, a Brazilian center back. He's that left footed center back that we've been looking for. Uh, and then the latest one that kind of got confirmed today, even was Nemanja Maksimovic from Hetafe. He is a Serbian international, 28 years old, um, center mid, center defensive mid. Um, He's young, like you said, Serbian national. I think it's just a matter of um, really when he's going to join us at this point, if it's going to be now or the summer. Um, Yes. So we're... I think we're pushing. I think it's it's gonna happen no matter what, even if it's summer. We're just it's a matter of when, not if. Yeah. Yes. And he, uh, I think the players also too. I think. Oh, Dragowski uh, signed. Yeah. Yeah. He's been announced. Akaidin has been announced. So yeah, Abakasetas is expected to be announced in the next day or two. Um, He's doing then, Greece on Monday. Yeah, Maximovich is basically uh you know find out from the club if they'll let him go now or if we have to wait till summer. I- I'm hoping for now because obviously we've got so many players in center mid, but we haven't found anyone that's really broken through that'll just give us consistent performances so um i'm all for just trying to bring somebody else in um, what do you make of uh you know these signings as a whole any of them specifically the floor is yours if you want to talk about let's anything. talk about the elephant in the room the reason why we brought brought in Drakowski, right okay all the drama brignoli has been dropped not even there um that that whole thing in itself, I think, pushed them to do it. And I, I'm actually not happy about the situation, but I'm happy just in a sense to see, like, because something like that happened, they acted quickly and went out and got somebody else just to crazy, avoid... Crazy how quickly it happened, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, we've talked about it in the group chat a lot that Drakowski, he's playing Serie B, so obviously lower league, there's a lot of concerns. He's got a lot of injury history. The quality is still there, though. He's still, I think, only 26, similar to Maximovic. Um, he's always been, you know, linked and tiered to top clubs. Like I said, I'm a Dortmund fan. We Before we got Koble two years ago, he was a really hot candidate when he was at Fiorentina. Um, then that fell off because we signed someone else. He stayed there. Um, I think he was linked to Leeds right before we signed him. So, I, I mean, I don't know where it came from how we convinced I, I i don't know i mean obviously i'm sure he wants he wants playing time he wants playing time. uh so there must have been something where he was he's given going to be given that satisfaction coming to panathinaikos um not he... that there's anything wrong with Lodigan. i think he's been great but i think it's healthy competition and 
Lodgin is what, 32? 33? I think even 33, yeah. What do you you make of the... So, we've talked a little bit about if Dragowski is going to be the starter, if they're just going to do like a timeshare, what's the situation going to be? I guess my question is like, what do you think it's going to be given the information that like, okay, given how Lodigan has played recently and also given the information that Dragowski was looking specifically for playing time and he felt that playing time, that signing with Panathinaikos would be good for his playing time. So all this information together, what do you think is going to happen with who's getting the time, the most majority of playing time or not? I think Lodigan's going to get it. Uh, Part of me thinks... You know, they brought him in because obviously Xenopoulos, we haven't seen a, a day from him. So they're just, I think that ship has sailed at this point, yeah. honestly. He's 25 too. So it's like, yeah. Um, I think part of me thinks he'll get cup games, Drakowski. But then another part of me is like, maybe they're going to stick with Lodigan just because he's proven it with Olympiacos game. Today's game felt a little shaky, but even prior to that, he's made saves. He's, you know, he's, he's not our typical starter up until the Brignoli drama, um, but he's slowly getting into the game. So I, I don't know. Maybe they just don't feel 100% confident in him. Then again, because they dropped Brignoli, Xenopoulos, lost cause, they, they just need somebody. Um, so I don't know. Part of me thinks because now we're so far into the cup that we have a really good chance. Maybe they stick with Lodigan. Maybe they bring Drakowski in. I don't know. It, it's a tough call, but I, I don't think he's... Um, I don't think he's getting the starting job, at least not this season. Um, would, unless we see ag- something drastic from him. Right, I would agree. I would agree. I don't think Lodigan has done anything to get the starting job taken away from him. Um, he hasn't been, like you said, a hundred percent reassuring all the time. But for the most part, he's been pretty good. Made the saves, and there haven't been many scares uh, that I've that I've you know seen myself. So. That would lead me to believe that we just back Lodigan as a starter until something drastic happens. Uh, but then again, like like we were saying, it, it feels weird for Dragowski, who's looking for playing time, to choose Panathinaikos based on the fact that he wants playing time and then not be the starter. So I don't know. Maybe maybe they maybe they don't do a cup league split. Maybe they do like kind of just like a 50-50 split. Um and it's just like you know, based on based on game or opponent kind of thing. Uh, it's in the same way. It's kind of interesting this week that's coming up because we have a cup and a league game. We have a cup game against a lesser opponent. All you know, all respect to Atromitos, but you know, it's not a top a four of... side. Yeah. So we have a cup game, two legged cup match, even against a lesser side. Um, do we see Dragowski start there to like kind of wet his feet a little bit in Greek football? And then we see Lodigian get the start in the derby against Pauk. I think that's probably the most likely scenario. Because you got to um, think, I mean, I don't follow the EPL as much as I used to. Um, just not a big fan of it. But like, if he was linked to teams like Leeds or even Nottingham Forest, like, given that he's probably not going to be a starter at either team, they still have a plethora of competitions and games compared to the Greek league. Like they've got so many different cups and stuff where he'd still probably have a shot, but it'll never be consistent. So for him to pick an EPL side to not join and come to Greece is, I don't know. There's just something weird about that to me, honestly. Right. 
I, you brought up a good point that if he would start at Leeds or not, and I just, you know, I, I'm in the same boat. I like, I, I follow the Premier League quite a bit, but, you know, Leeds uh, fell out. So their, their goalkeeper is Meslier, who was very good when they, when they were in the Premier League. So I would assume he wouldn't start over him even in the championship. So right. like, like you said, he was linked to Leeds and probably was a more shoe in as the backup there than he, than he would be at Panathinaikos. So fair point fair point in general um i mean i'm happy with it though like i said i haven't watched him at all this season i kept tabs on him strictly because he was linked to Dorman and he's he's had a couple injuries but he's he's a very good keeper um i'd be curious to see how this all plays out but if he ends up becoming you know a starter or whatnot you know i i don't have any doubt in him um Yep. Just given the fact that, you know, I know the quality and, and the potentials there, but um, yeah. Anybody else you want to talk about? Uh, we talked a lot about Dragowski. Again, Limnios, Akaidin, Bagaceta. Limnios is an Hugo. interesting one. Um, he hasn't been playing just because of fitness and just falling out of just like with the roster depth that all is stops. Um, Bagacetas and him coming in, I'm just happy in a sense of those are two we don't know what Luminos looks like post injury. Obviously, uh, we knew what he looked like, or at least you know we watched him what he's capable of pre injury. Um, so that was a random but very reassuring signing. Um, and that was just both those coming in. We know the quality that they're capable of. They're Greek international with ethniki um, starters, if not first off the bench for at least Limnos. Um, so bringing in more Greek players that are of quality at that um, is just really nice to see just because I think collectively across the board, all fans of all clubs, you know, that's one thing we always complain about. There's not enough Greeks. We don't produce enough talent anymore, yada, yada, yada. So those two alone, especially Tassos, though, but on the, the point of Limnos, I, I, I'm curious as to why he's not getting as much time just because it is a position yeah, we've got Mancini, Aitor, um, him, Palacios, Verbich. Verbich. I mean, Verbich, I guess to maybe Terim's defense, Verbich, we never expected him to play as good as he's been playing. He's had like three or four games in a row where he's shown like to be like a very solid option in the starting lineup, and he's deserved his starting spot. So uh, maybe that wasn't the original plan now that he's got it. You know, he's playing who's in form. Um, but Palacios being out, we don't really have attacking options. I'd like to see Limnos get some more playing time, even if it's 20, 30 minutes here or there. Um, but I'm happy about that signing just in general because um, wingers can come and go, whether they stay or just their form. As we've seen with Palacios, just it dips in form, it comes and goes. So, um, Bacasetas, I mean, there's not much more to add to what you said. You know, it's just a position, a playmaker, just he fits everything we need out of the fact that he's a captain of Ethniki, just out of nowhere signing, never expected it to really come to fruition. So that's a huge signing and a huge relief, you know, as long as it all goes through. Uh, Maximovich, we kind of talked about earlier, kind of weird as well, kind of like the Drakowski situation. I think he was had a high valuation just last season, I want to say. Um, Maximovich. Maximovich yeah. was. I was looking it up. Maximovich was worth uh, twenty five million as recently as twenty twenty. So that's about three years ago. 
And okay. as a as a defensive midfielder, twenty five million is a is a good price tag uh, yeah. for a player. So that is that is a without knowing much about him, you know, through his career, that is a pretty high high quality standard player to be signing. Uh, for not us. only for Bonnet Coast, but for the Greek league in general, like yeah, you know, again, he's not worth twenty five million now. Transfer market has him at six million now, so his his value has dropped quite a bit. But you know, twenty five million as as recently as three years ago is is quite a valuation for a CDM. And he's not even close to thirty. So like a exactly. lot of these signings are just so. Other than obviously Bakasetas, Limnos is still young, Drakowski, Maximovich. Like this is not something we're used to. Whether it's us specifically at Panathinaikos or just the Greek league as a whole, we usually get guys 29, 30, they're kind of ending their prime, whatnot. So um I don't know what's happened. It, it's kind that, of that a actually, weird like trend we're going towards. <laughs> that leads me nicely into another question I wanted to ask you is there's been a little chatter recently about because of these signings and these quality signings about, you know, why is this happening and why now? And it's not just we need to fill positional gaps. It's not just filling positional gaps. It's filling positional gaps with extreme quality. Um, is is there kind of – is this like a Tareem effect? Is there draw uh, from Tareem because he's kind of a name? Um, what do you make of that? He just must have this aura. I mean, we've never seen Alafuzos be able to get any of this done, whether it's himself or other coaches. And Jovanovic, maybe many players aren't really uh, in tune with the Greek league as a whole and follow it. But I think, you know, when he got the sacking, I think most clubs of all teams in Greece were kind of shocked with a sigh of relief because of how good he had brought Panathinaikos and one of the better offensive oriented coaches. Um, but it seemed like some of the signings we brought, like we brought a lot of signings under Jovanovic and a lot of them just haven't panned out. Um, and so maybe that has a lot to do with it. Um, there's so many like different factors that go into like the signings on the back end, how there's no sporting director for us. And Jovanovic is kind of doing both and the scouting and, I don't know. I think he might be onto something with this aura or effect that Tadim has. Just the way he carries himself, we see it. We've heard from Turkish fans how much they adore him. Obviously, there's always going to be both sides. A lot of will say he's set in his ways, old, stubborn. They won't like him for whatever reason. But uh, it seems our players have responded well. And our window, even compared to last season, the season before, took forever just to get something and then we'd sign these guys last minute we've never even heard of um and this window while it still seemed like it took a lot we're getting just boom 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 sign after sign yeah. like rumors and things almost. that are concrete like, yeah crazy. and it's it's gone from like every day all just the constant rumors to like it being coming a real a reality yeah. um and like we said, the quality of players were attracted, not only just players in general, but the quality of them is like, Limnos came out of nowhere. You know, if anyone yeah. thought he would have come back, he would go back to Pauk. Bacacetas. Same thing with Bacacetas. I was going to bring up the, I, I was gonna bring up the same like, thing. Uh, it just we, doesn't even, make sense uh, Even us, me. we were saying, like, there's no shot we get Bacacetas. Like, we, it just when, doesn't make when, sense. <laughs> when the rumor first dropped, we were like, okay, okay. But, like, when it comes down to it, like, are we, are we, are we really – and not to bash us as a club, but are we really the most appealing option for him in his career right now? 
And I would say no. And that's not a, that's not a bash against us. That's just like I think he could still he has a high ceiling, I think. And OK, he's 31, 100%. so he's not going to grow. But, you know, he could still continue this is his, his career. last stop, really. Exactly. And I think he could still c- continue his career outside of Greece for a couple of years before coming back to Greece. But no, for, for whatever reason, we've attracted such a high caliber caliber player like Bacasetas to come to us, to come back to Greece, maybe prematurely. And, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Off. It is it is weird. And I feel like maybe just because we're so used to like we haven't had players like this signing for us in like probably a decade or over a decade we haven't had like the the level of players we're attracting so i don't know it's just it's it's a good thing obviously but it's it's a weird feeling in the sense of like we're just not used to this yeah um and and guys that are well under 30 like we said maximovich i think is 26 drakowski is 24 26 limios is i think right around there 26 25 uh bakasetas obviously 31 but we know how good he's been for the ethniki um it's it's just weird to be seeing us getting quality players and then young quality players at that like not only are they for the now because they're good but even for the future assuming they stay long term and pan out but um yeah it's just I think that, it's weird i think that sums up the transfer window pretty well we are getting younger and we're getting more greek which is the which are two pluses for us um you know what the only you want <laughs> the only old old and i'm not even calling him old but the only older guy is bacasetas at 31 but other than that we are uh, i don't i think even hugo is uh 28 so 28, everyone 29 but yeah everyone every signing in this window has been under 30 um other than bacasetas and the greek aspect is also going up so all in all, for me, it's been a successful window so far. If we if we sign these last couple that haven't been official, yep. um, you know, funny enough, this window turned into kind of like a summer transfer with like I think it's been six six transfers, right? Yeah, so you don't ever like, see this in any league crazy. to happen. It's crazy yeah. winter window. So crazy winter window. Um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, well done so far. Um, if just quickly, if you had to give one one guy that you're most excited about out of these signings, who is it? I'm going to go with the obvious Bacasetas. I'm curious because I think he's fallen off a little bit this season in Turkey, but the last two, three years in Turkey and for the Ethniki, he's just been kind of the unexpected hero. Uh, nobody expected him at Ethniki. You know, we all bashed him for like his leadership. Why is he captain? He's not that great. Um, but I think since the coaching change and even under the revenship, he really turned around. He's been our most consistent scorer uh, in Turkey. He was scoring and assisting there as well. Obviously, like I said, he probably fell off this past the current season. But I think I'm most excited for him just because we don't have that type of player. What he brings, he can, he can thread some long passes. He's, we've got like a playmaker in the middle. We're used to Bernard who's so up and down. Um, that'll be it'll be nice to see. I would have to agree with you. It's kind of like the boring answer because it's, you know, probably the Obvious. answer that, that most people most people would give. But you know, like you said, you you put it well. He he brings a lot to the table. Uh obviously we've we've emphasized the fact that he's Greek, he's the ethnic captain, he has quality, uh, he has positional versatility, which is important, especially given like where we are right now. He could play center forward if need be. We could see him play center forward maybe as early as the Pauk match uh considering our 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 striker issues right now 
Uh, he could even play on the wing. We've seen a little bit of that with the ethnic key. He's traditionally a camp, so that's his go-to. Center mid, yeah, center he mid. Can go We've anywhere. seen that too. He could basically play anywhere from the eight position and up, if if need be. Yep. Uh, so you gotta love the positional versatility. Also, he brings some stuff to the table that you know we don't have in this team right now. For example, uh, he 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 has killer long shots, which is not you don't rely on that, but that's something that we struggle with. Like we we're kind of afraid as a team to take those chances from like 25, 30 yards out. Uh, you know they're not gonna go in all the time, but someone like Bacasetas, we've seen him do that with the ethnic key. Uh, he has it in his pocket, so it's hopefully something that you know could up our game a little bit just gives us more options attacking uh more lines of attack uh so yeah i i think his experience brings leadership too i think we've talked about this we kind of lack that like a true captain on the team yeah um we've got a lot of strong leaders like arau's good and bart on the back and stuff but like in years past we've seen like goodbellis even though you know the last season paint out the way it did like we don't have that voice on the field right now yeah, uh, and I think his point. leadership skills will will bring that. So uh, I'm yeah, it's the obvious answer, but I think it's still very surreal just to see it that it's coming to fruition, happening. Just I don't think some people understand really the how many intangible things this brings yeah. with him. So great point. Yeah, um, as just as a as a close second, I'll throw in Maximovich after Bacasetas. I think I don't know much about him, but I think just, uh, you know, his career uh, and his valuation brings some sort of sense of excitement. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, we, I emphasized 25 million three years ago. That's quite good for a CDM, even at six million valued right now uh, on transfer market. He's still one of our most valuable players. I think uh, I think our most valuable player might be five million Uh Oh no! Other than Fots, of course. Uh, yeah. But other than Fots, I think we're we're having around five million for the second most valuable. So he slots in very very well on that valuation chart in our squad. So uh, he's a close second in terms of excitement. But that's more or less it for the signings. Um, so I think in terms of the football, all we have left is looking forward briefly to the games that we have down the road, and that's mainly we have. Uh, our cup affair with Atromitos that starts on Wednesday, two-legged affair. I think first on Wednesday we're home and then the following week we're away. Um, and yeah, let's talk about that first since that's the first thing on the on the menu. What do you think that's it's going to play out like? Uh, I mean, it's a cup game and Atromitos at this stage, they have nothing to lose. So obviously I imagine they'll throw the kitchen sink at us. Um but we should still be able to come away with a comfortable win. Um, I don't really have too many high expectations out uh, of that game, other than like it should be, it should be a multiple goal win. Um, hopefully, we can keep a clean sheet. But with the way our defense and just it's been kind of shaky lately, um, my bigger concern is the ball game, as I think we all are. Granted, with injuries, hopefully some of our guys can come back, but. Um, we've seen them be a team similar like I, how Ike was last season where they can they can pile on goals and pile them on quickly if they need to. Um, yeah. And that's that's just concerning me as a whole. Outside of it just being a derby, that's and they're at the top, you know. That could be the the decider on how the rest of the table is going to go for us and the rest of the league the rest of the season. Yeah. Um, the Pauk is is weird. Both games are weird because we still find ourselves in uh, in this, you know, injury-plagued era and also just a nightmare of January in general with 
games back to back and derbies back to back. Um, but yeah, I think I'm I'm I, I hear what you're saying about Pauk. They do seem like they're putting four past everyone every weekend, regardless of opponent, really. Um, so I'm worried about that. But it seems like we've we've at this point sorted our defensive issues, uh, at least in terms of depth. Uh, I think by the time we play Pauk, we're going to have two traditional center backs playing. We'll have our right back and we'll have our left back. So at least depth wise, personnel wise, we're going to have the right people there. Yep. Um, so, you know, I don't, I'm, they are, atta- they are an attacking threat. So even if you have the right people, it doesn't mean you can't cop, you know, two or three, but I'm a little, I'm just, I'm less wary now that I'm, that I was about our defense, you know, a week or so ago. Uh, oh yeah. I mean, that- we saw it against Ike too. We, we held them to really one goal up until that questionable call at the end, which right. that's unheard of against Ike. Who's also another like high profile, like high scoring team so right um for me it's you know not more so the attack but we we just have a lot of question marks around the attack right now like we don't even know if we're gonna have a striker going into wednesday or we're gonna have a striker going into sunday we don't know thought this was rumored that he might be ready the first the first chance that he had to come back was the pal game he was kind of you know it was up in the air whether he would be ready for the pal game or not we still don't know um but what is his injury by the way i don't know i don't know they they brought him out as injured i think in the first leg against olympiacos but there wasn't much like information around it i i remember seeing something but then i i forgot what it was i don't know i was just i was just more concerned with like wow he's gonna be out for like two two three weeks or whatever and that that was like oh god that that's a problem given given our schedule but Again, we don't know what our striker situation is going to be come Sunday. If we're going to have a striker, like if we don't have a striker, like who are, who is going to play up top? Even Verbich is a question to mark now. Verbich would be the obvious obvious choice to fill in that striker because that's something he's done uh, in his career. But he also went down today. We don't know what the situation is. So yeah, hamstring. You got to be careful with those. Those can either be you know just quick pull for the game and just needs rest but those can become a long-term thing too exactly um so it's too it's too early to discuss you know potential lineups because we're just kind of in the dark now ourselves uh at least until probably tomorrow monday or tuesday until we get a better idea of who's gonna be available for wednesday and then you know in turn sunday so let's not talk about lineups but you know do you you have any score predictions any you know if not score predictions any way you think the game's gonna go down I mean, Atromitos at minimum two. No, I see it more like a game that went like today. Um, Bauk, you know, the thing with Tareem is I, I think we'll see goals coming, but I also think we see a lot of like defensive rigidity, if that's a word that I'm looking for, uh, where I don't have other than like individual like errors or mistakes. Uh, I think as a whole, his tactics like can keep him sound and they're scoring down similar like we did with ike so i still don't see the the bout game being like a four or five goal even combined i'd see that maybe like a one one draw two one win can go either way but um i i i don't know i have a feeling it'll be a draw depending on personnel of course um if we continue like how we are then yeah something like a zero zero one one draw uh if we can get an attacker like if their bitch is okay or even fought even better, I, I can see maybe like a two, one win, um, but I don't see it as like a high scoring game as like Balk has trended lately. Yeah. What about um, you? 
I don't know. It, it, it's really tricky. And I feel like I've just, I've missed predictions for <laughs> weeks now. So whatever, whatever I'm going to say is probably bullshit, but uh, I could see us struggling a little bit against Atromitos, not because we're not up for it, just because of, you know, our squad being overtaxed and over overplayed. Uh, I could see it being a lot like the game today. Uh, you know, maybe not score wise, but just the, the kind of picture that we put out on the field. Um, that being said, I think it could be a one nil or two nil, uh, but I don't think we're going to, I don't think we're going to run away with it in the first leg is basically what I'm saying. I don't think we're yeah. going to put like three pass them or anything as nice as that would be to, to ease our job in the second leg. I don't think we're going to finish the job in the first leg, unfortunately, because of our, you know, tiredness and our lack of depth maybe. Uh, so I'm just, I'm going to go tentatively one nil with Atromitos and then Pauk, again, like question marks, like we said with the personnel, it's hard, it's hard to say we're going to score more than one goal considering we have so many question marks right now in the, in attack. So uh, as much as I would like to say, you know, we could win maybe two, one, I don't see us scoring more than one goal, unfortunately. And I don't see them not scoring. Like they are an attacking threat. I don't think they're going to put three on us, but I difficult for me to see us keeping a clean sheet against them not because i don't think our defense is up to it just because i think they're just such an attacking threat so all that leads me to believe it might be 1-1 something like that uh you know if we could edge out maybe a 2-1 win that would be pretty good i don't know where the goals are going to come from given everything we're talking about with the attack but uh, I'll, I'll stick with 1-1 which all things considered i don't think is a bad result if it plays out like that i know they don't have any fans but you know going to tumba you know, against the the team that's playing the most free scoring football in the country right now, one one at this given stage, given our injuries, given our nightmare of a schedule, I would take a draw, honestly. Yep. So that's it with the previews, and that's basically it with all the football club stuff. Um, any final ideas about anything that we spoke about? Anything that we didn't speak about in terms of football club? Uh, well, we kind of touched base on it, I think a couple episodes ago, where we were just like, why is the idea of Jovanovic leaving or being sacked even a remote possibility? You know, we're on top, it was right before the break, I think, or at the break, and we're just like, why are we even having this conversation? Then we come back, it happened. <laughs> um, so I guess my question is, because there's a lot floating in there when Tareem first came on that he's kind of a stopgap and they're still looking, you know, summer is going to be a completely different story. Do you, do you still think that's the case? Do you think if it is the case, if Terim manages a trophy of some sort this season, that maybe he'll be kept on next season? What are, what are your thoughts? So he's, he signed a year and a half contract, if I'm not wrong. Um, right. And again, that doesn't mean much in the, the current state of, you know, world football, but, he is signed for a year and a half, which would bring us to summer 2025. I would believe that he would see that out no matter what. I don't okay. think it's dependent on trophy or not. Um, I think he could lose out on both. Again, it, it really depends on what the image of the team is going forward between now and the summer. Uh, but I think if the image of the team is the way we see it right now and we don't get a trophy at all, I think he still stays on. I think he's done. he's shown enough that he – is a good coach that he he makes adjustments he's overall i'm i'm pleased with how it's gone 
And of course I wanted to end in at least one trophy, but I think he's shown enough that he's a good coach that it doesn't need to end in a trophy for him to be trusted going into 2024, 25. Okay. Fair enough. How about you? Uh, I mean, I agree hundred uh, percent. I don't imagine why they would have sacked Ivanovic and brought someone in just as a stopgap until the end of this season, just given that we were in first when it happened uh, we're still kind of there at the top and it's within reach and the way the cup draws have gone. Um, I, I just don't, it wouldn't make sense to me why they would just bring someone in for the six months. Um, I agree. so yeah, I agree. Unless something drastic happens, of course, but, um, uh, but we've seen crazier things happen as we did Jovanovic getting sacked. So more just curious about it all. Cause I think there were oh. rumblings like he was brought in obviously year and a half, but he wasn't even first choice. He's only here for the next six months to see out the season, you know. But it's all Greek media bullshit too. At the end yeah. of the day, <laughs> also let's 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 look at the facts. Like he's bringing in players that are his choosing, and Alafuzu is clearly backing him with a wallet. I don't think that would be happening to the, to the extent that we're seeing if it wasn't a long term option. That's true. I don't. Because he gave Jovanovic the same respect, and while his signings didn't work out, you know. It, Two and a half, right. three years, whatever it was now. Yovanovic, uh, sorry, not Yovanovic. Alafuzos wouldn't be, you know, basically telling Tareem, giving him the green light in this window. Okay, bring in six players, seven players, but you're going to be out in in June. No, yeah. I don't. I don't think that's that's true. Yeah, I think I think the signings point that he's here to stay. He's getting backed by Alafuzos. The fans are get, getting on board. I think as a whole, as a fan base in general. So I think it's. I think it's for the long term, and I think that's for the better, honestly. Cool. Should okay. Move on so to that, basketball then. That is the FC done. Yes, let's move on to basketball. So I don't remember another exciting part of that. I don't. Let's just go through what's been happening recently because I don't remember when the last time we talked about the BC was. What the Australians did on their podcast last week. So I mean, like we, of... we just talk about the obvious, maybe since the Basconia game, or start there. <laughs> We did. We did. Me and Adoni did talk about the Basconia game, but we could touch. Okay. Touch on a little. Well, bit. I mean, yeah. Um, since then, I imagine because that's the last one you guys did, and yes. obviously things have drastically changed since that game. <laughs> since then, in Euroleague, we've uh, beat Valencia, we've beat Efes, and we've beat Monaco, and we've beat Partizan. Um, so those are the Euroleague results. That's four wins in a row since the Basconia loss, and in between there were I think two uh, two games league, in the league league games, yeah. Um, so again, the league, the league games were pretty straightforward. It was one against Lavrio, which we won by about 15 and it was one against Peristeri, which we also won by 15. So they've been pretty straightforward. Uh, the meat of the conversation is obviously in Euroleague where, you know, it's going well, uh, any, you know, specific games we want to talk about. We beat Valencia by one. We beat FS by six, seven. Uh, we blew out Monaco at home, which was really nice to see by 25 about, and we also blew out partisan at home by double digits. That partisan game, since its most recent, was the the difficult one because up until the end of that third quarter was tough. Um, but I think the double digit leads for or wins for both those helps even looking in the standings, just a point differential. We've closed that gap. Obviously, Real are still way ahead of us. Um, but being second in the Euro League with that point differential and 
big losses obviously to them but barcelona too like we've climbed up and secured fourth place comfortably for now yep um you know four wins in a row those are huge huge wins against some good teams too so um yeah. i don't have a specific game i'm just i mean i think the team as a whole is slowly getting it together games like Basconia were stuff we saw even in games prior, whereas I think now they're slowly getting to the rhythm of taking control when they need to, uh, or taking over games when it's needed. Uh, we've seen them, like we said, the Basconia game, just their leading and just gave up the whole game versus Partizan was just a very choppy game up until the third quarter. That Lasort dunk at the end, I think, helped kind of get them in rhythm, and then they just took over against a very good Partizan team. Um, who I think what just right but the game before they came down from how much and their year that is game that's true that's right came yeah. up back from like what 24 25 points something like um, that um so that, yeah. yeah I think I think it's been good you know we've got the score and none Lucas has kind of slowed down and his game is just we're letting the game come to him rather than him being forceful with stuff Mitoglu and the sword are trading off every other game of who's gonna be the big man of that game. Um, Grant has been the unsung hero in big moments defensively. Rigoni's fought for his spot back. Kyle Guy's now gone. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's just gone really well. Papa yeah. Petru, I think, is back from injury now, which is yeah, a great yeah. help on the wing. I think things are just falling into place at the right time for them, uh, and they're getting results at the same time. So just happy. I think, I think the team is clicking, like you said. Uh, I think... It's noteworthy, the teams that we're beating. You also touched on that. These are all teams that are playoff teams, locks, or, you know, fighting for a playoff spot. So it's not like we're beating, you know, Alba Berlin by 25 and getting excited about it. No, these are right. all playoff teams and all playoff co uh, competitors. Efez, Monaco, Partizan, Valencia, um, you know, you also touched upon it. We're one win behind second and third place. Second and third are tied right now, Barca and Bologna, and we're just one win behind them. So we have Barca at some point coming to, to our home, and we also have Bologna away. So, you know, that's looking down the road quite a bit, but those are going to be big games in terms of if we can push for second. Um, but, yeah, it's the, the, the individual players seem to really be clicking. I feel like, you know, just to – talk generally like it seems like everybody is kind of doing their job exactly um, which is really nice to see and we really emphasized it maybe you know a couple weeks ago almost a month ago that when we went on that really nice winning streak uh in december which was like maybe like six five or six games yep. the team was playing like a team and not like individuals and when we play like individuals that's where it bites us in the ass like when it like becomes like none hero ball that's when we you know that boss game shots. was so tough man yeah so so tough and that was like yeah we went back to like old ways of just forcing things and when, when you simplify for like everyone yeah it's just yeah. it's beautiful and it's it's fun because like we haven't had real shots like this uh staying in the top for many many years similar to the football club really it's been yeah. probably a decade we're yeah. kind of in the same rhythm, so um, it's kind of weird how that worked out. Yeah, um, but in general, yeah, playing like a team, really nice. But individuals are showing up. You picked out Grant. Grant's been, I don't know, consistent, maybe our most consistent. Mito Glue for me is 
I don't know. I, I, I love watching him play and it seems like he's MVP like every other game. Uh, yep. And, and none has been obviously a, a, a massive signing for us. Like it's, you know, even, even though he maybe cost us the game against Basconia in general, he's been, you know, spot on hitting his shots confidence too. Um, he's also just fun fact. He's perfect from the line uh, so far this season. I think he's like 30 for 30 in EuroLeague and another like 15 or 20 in, in, in the league. So he's like a perfect, like 40 or 50 overall, which is pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, just. Yeah. They were every, showing something on the top of me. I think they showed the other day in the game against uh, parties on, you know, he's averaging 14 a game. I think he's like the top or second highest score on our team. I'd imagine none is probably higher, but um, him along with, I think they said like five or six other guys on the team are all in double digit scoring for the season. Um, which kind of speaks to the volume of like how everyone's kind of doing a little bit of we're not over relying on one person where some other teams um only have that one guy, and if that one guy's not hitting, they don't have any shot. We've got a plethora of options, which is a good problem to have. But having six guys in double digit scoring is not something you see in the Euro League too often. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a question that me and Adoni talked about last time we were on the pod. So it's, it's a repeated question, but you weren't there and you know, you know, a fair bit about basketball. Uh-huh. Adoni, Adoni asked us both, uh, you know, how we feel about Ataman and what he's doing and how the team, how the team is under, under him. What are, what are your takes on, you know, Ataman in general and how the team looks under him? Um, I have mixed feelings. I think as a whole, so what he's accomplished and what he's doing now, Ottoman is great. And I don't think he's a bad coach. So I guess I, I should choose wisely how I word this. I just don't think he's the same caliber coach as what he's being propped up to be. Um, he's had success in the past, but I, I just we see certain things like when he draws up certain plays like the Basconia game and some tactics he goes with or personnel choice like with Vildoza and stuff. Um it just makes me scratch my head for someone that's as good of a coach as he's portrayed to be. You would see that they wouldn't make these kind of amateurish decisions or mistakes. Um, but maybe right now with unfortunately Vildoza being out injured, our Polish center, some other guys that just weren't really good when they played for us or like they cost us games. Now he's got, you know, We've got four games in a row, and we've seen like the difference on the court too. It's just the style playing, how they're playing, getting stops, things like that. Uh, maybe that'll be an eye opener for him. I mean, I guess it's kind of a mixed bag because how long do you give him till like we talked about the beginning of the season where we're just like, is this a a bust or not? But I don't know. I don't put him as a top caliber coach, uh, but I think for you know, given a brand new roster, the expectations. He talks the talk. Uh, we just need to see him walk the walk, and he has been. So um, I can't fault him for that. Yeah, I fault him more so for like individual stuff that I see just as a basketball fan and watching the game and certain decisions and plays he draws up um, that I don't agree with. I'm just like, why would you do that? But at the end of the day, and the grand scheme of things, like he's not a bad coach at all. He's still getting it done, getting us results, and that's all that matters really. Yeah, me and I, me and Adoni, when we had this conversation, we basically concluded on the same thing. It's like the little the little things, the details that 
you know, are questionable. You said you, you picked one out, the Basconia play. Mitoglu basically scrapped what, what he, what, uh, what Ataman decided to do out of the huddle and obviously passed to Rigonis instead. Um, you know, but then he went back out. to that same exact play against Basconia at the end of the game and made Mitoglu shoot. It was just, it was just a bad yeah. play. Uh, yeah. And he forces that stuff on, and it's like, yeah, that's kind of stuff. Like, he has his favorites where he just won't yeah. change that. But his his timeout calling is questionable, uh, especially in the FS, uh, in the FS game. Like, FS is a team he knows well. Obviously, he coached there and, and won multiple championships there. He knows the players, and who is it? Uh, Larkin. Um, yeah. th- they were down, and then Larkin starts hitting like two or three threes in a row, and he's not calling a timeout. Like, he did it with the Basconia too, with that other yeah, guy, like, uh, the dude with the headband and glasses. He was just on a torture and just he kept killing us. And he's just like, "Oh, play on," or you know, he wouldn't yeah. make it the right call. So yeah, it's it's stuff like that. But so I, I get I get what you're saying. It's the the little stuff, but yeah, I I hear I hear what you said, and and it was well said. And I was just curious because you know you like I said you are you are a basketball guy, so you're opinionated on that. Um, what else about the basketball team? Um, we There's could rumors go... of uh, next season, Tavares and um, Hazonia. Hazonia coming back, or they've already mutually agreed. That's kind of like a hot topic. Let's just go with they are coming. What What are your thoughts on that? Um, I think they're both good additions. Uh, I mean, when you're I mean, I'm going to ask you a question back, and you don't have to answer this immediately. But I, I'm I'm wondering why Madrid wouldn't want to keep either of them, or are they? Because I don't think Madrid is in on either of them to keep them around. Um, they're both linked with other teams. One of us, us being one of them. So yeah, that's that's my that's my question mark around them. But as players, I think they're both um, they're both good assets to have. Hazonia is loved by the fan base. Um, so that's, in my opinion, very good. Tavares, you know, I don't I don't watch him much, obviously, but I obviously I'm seeing quite a bit of him because of how Madrid are doing. And he's... He's young. He is, yeah, I, didn't know, I, didn't, I don't know his age. I think he's like 20-something, but I could be wrong. But um... so well, to answer your question as why they would let him go, I think in EuroLeague, like... Big players do season to season sometimes jump ship. It happens often because uh, they just go join another powerhouse. Um, and Real Madrid at the end of the day, similar like soccer or football. Um, they're going to replace them with somebody else yeah. just as easily because they have the funds. They've got the aura. They've got the appeal. They've got, you know, the championships to back it up. So um, I talked about this in the pod. I'm a little hesitant on Hazonia simply because he plays a position we need, but um, I think he's just playing really well right now just because the element of his environment. He's on a good team that's scoring a lot. Everyone like playing good around him, so he's just making the most of his opportunity. Um, and I don't think they overly rely on him. Like I said, you know, even you not following basketball too much as much as like until this season or whatnot, you know, for somebody that's shooting, I think it was like 50 something percent from the field and 60% from three on the season so far is just like, that's unheard of. Those aren't averages like guys would normally average throughout a whole season. He's managing it right now on like 
I think it was like three or four attempts a game, which is about average, but maybe a little bit below average in your league because they do shoot a lot of threes. But um, those kind of just efficiencies we're seeing from Hazonia, I guess I just don't want them fans to think we're going to expect that type of production out of viewer to come to us because we would more rely on him. Of course, right. assuming we don't know what the roster is going to look like for next season, but um, if you're going to expect to see that type of fish you see out of Hazonia, I wouldn't bank on it just because it's just that's that's really hard to maintain. We haven't seen him maintain it ever before this. I think it's kind of like a one-time thing that's happening with him. So Tavares is actually older than you thought. He's 31, while Hazonia's 28. Um, which oh, makes he is me okay. A little more iffy on Tavares. Um, Tavares also is not a position that we are, like you said, Hezonia would fill a position that we are more trying, more in need of, but Tavares wouldn't undermine. No. Yeah. So are you, are, is, is the Tavares signing, and this is like kind of flipping the question on you, but is the Tavares signing like just forcing it, just like, just to sign a, a good player, uh, even though you don't have a positional need for him? Possibly. I mean, it could be a good thing, maybe, you know, with the way things have gone. We don't know. Does Lasort leave? Does Costa, uh, the Kumpo leave? Because Costas has been really good, too. Behind yeah, Lesort. that's what I'm saying. So, like, it wouldn't make sense as of right now what we have and how those guys are playing. It would make zero sense yeah. for us to sign Tavares. Um, but we don't know how that's going to play out. Um, we don't even know, you know, if any of these rumors are true. It wouldn't surprise me if they are just because DPGs are just on a burner right now. Just he wants to win. Uh, and we've seen him. But yeah, as of right now, it just it would make no sense for Tavares to be in um, to have three caliber guys like that. Yeah. That would just take away from under the coupon. Like you said, he's just been. A very situational player, but he's been like our defensive anchor on minutes yeah. that Lasor is sitting, which we yeah. need. So, so yeah, I I would say like I, you know you 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 voiced your concerns about Hizonia too, but if I had to pick one over the other, I'd I'd pick Hizonia just because he is something that we need more than Tavares right now, given Lasor and and Costas. Yeah, um, that makes sense. Is there anything else that you would like to say about our EuroLeague uh, run so far, or we I mean, can we just have the big to... derby game tomorrow, yeah. right? That's going to be a we huge one against Olympiacos. Um, yeah, that's that's what I'm looking forward to. Um, especially now, you know, we're in the states, we get coverage of it through ESPN at least for the EuroLeague games. Tomorrow's game, I think I'm going to have to try to find a stream, but. Uh, yeah, that's gonna be a big uh, one. It's it, this is this might be useful information for you and anyone else who's trying to watch Greek league games. Um, if you have a VPN, it's free on Eric's website. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah, good so to know. All you, all you need is a VPN. You go to Eritflix, E R T F I F L I X, um, and you'll see it right there. It's hundred percent free, not geo blocked with a with a VPN. So you can watch oh, all the Greek league games like that. Nice, good to um, know. But yeah, big game tomorrow. Uh, we're undefeated, fourteen and zero. They're thirteen and one. Uh, they come to Oaxaca. Uh, Oaxaca is going to be popping off. I heard that the tickets were gone. I think in 
a matter Mito, of a Mito minute. said from our group, he sometimes joins on here. He got tickets. He'll be there. He said they were gone within minutes yeah. or minutes. Yeah. If that. <laughs> so, I mean, to be fair, Oaxaca has been great the whole year, but it, it, certainly recently um, it's been sold out uh, week after week. Uh, Mito was there. He, he uh, shared his experience about it. I actually also went when I was in Greece in December um against red star it was that was also a sellout it was absolutely amazing yeah that's a big game too i mean red star's yeah. got fans yeah wow yeah that's so cool. that was that was awesome um but yeah it's gonna be popping off tomorrow Mito's gonna be there and he could you know maybe he'll be on the pod next next time and share his experience again yeah um, definitely after olbiakos we have Maccabi, i think in euro league yes so we have Maccabi. Yep. that's gonna be a big uh, game must win 25th must win. It's over there. Um, I think, right? Yep, it's over there. An away so game, yeah. It's gonna be a tough away game, but if we could squeak out a win, that would obviously be huge. Uh, especially if other results go our way. We could be up to up to second. Um, I think you mentioned the point differential. Uh actually we have the second best point differential right now. Yeah, so we're at ninety six, I think, and Real is still like one something or two something, one eight one eighty nine right. or something crazy. So in the event that we beat Maccabi and Barca, I don't know who they're playing, but Barca or Bologna lose, we could be uh, as high as second or third. So nice. obviously it must win. Um, but yeah, that's that's about it with the basketball schedule. Um, Alki, anything else in general, basketball, football? That's about it for me, man. All right, that's all I got. Um, I'm just going to remind everyone that uh we do have blogs up there hasn't been a new blog uh recently so it's just the ones that uh have been up for a few weeks now but there are a variety of blogs uh basketball football um i think sturge is preparing a new one so that might be yep. out uh in the near future but check out the blogs if you're interested um share the pod uh, like comment subscribe give us drop us everything. dms anything you guys have questions on topics you want us to cover yeah if you enjoy it, obviously, please give a positive review, five-star review on whatever platform you listen to and just spread the word. And that's it from us. Yeah, we'll catch you next time, guys. Thank you, Alki. Bye-bye, everyone. Right. See ya.